0: Good evening, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politic on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Pastor Toby is back in the studio. Good to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. you. I
1: missed you so much. I know. I'm so
0: happy to see you. (laughs) You have no
2: idea what I've gone through.
0: (laughs) Chalk Knox and um, the non-emotional water boy. Gabe,
2: what did you do to him? Oh, you have no idea. It's him and Keith. Him and Keith. (laughs) Outrageous. Everybody loved it.
3: I I just want an adult in the
2: room. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> this year,
3: our national conference is in Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, actually, yes. uh, that's where I just was, you guys. I oh no! I flew into Knoxville. I did I drove wow. right by and waved at our event center. Wow! Uh, Oct- uh, October sixth through the eighth, we're going to be in Knoxville. The theme of this year's conference is lies, propaganda, storytelling, and the serrated edge. Mm. There you go. That was a little late. (laughs) Satan is the father of lies, and the mother of those lies is a government that has rejected God. We have especially been lied to these last two years, and the COVID panic has been one of the central mechanisms that our government has used to lie to us and grab more power. Because Christians have not been reading their Bibles, we are susceptible to these lies and weak in our ability to fight them. God has given us his word to fight Satan and his lies, and we need to recover all of God's word it's serrated edge mm. and all. Mm. <laughs> Mark your calendars for October sixth through the eighth as we fight, laugh, and feast with fellowship, beer, and psalms. are amazing lineup mm. of speakers like Jared Longshore and Ben Merkel and Doug Wilson and Knox mm. Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's
0: yeah, right, that's right. That's right.
3: Going to be yeah. doing something. I'll be giving a talk. We'll be doing a live show. George Gilder also will be there. Bunch of fantastic. <laughs> Anyways, you want to meet new friends. Packed. And um, hang out with our vendors. Early bird tickets are still available until I don't know until
0: uh, ba- June June thirtieth. Oh, Early uh, bird that for real? Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. Then, but they're going
3: to be gone soon because June the end of June is coming up very soon. So sign up. F L F Network slash shop. Knoxville, 2022. Hey, do you yeah, know that we
2: missed beer and psalm Wednesday because you weren't here? I just
0: wondered. We, we, we forgot. We forgot about beer and psalm Wednesday. You know
3: yes. you can sing psalms and have beer w- yeah, without the pastor yeah. there.
0: It was we fi- we figured it was a moral failing on our part. It really, it <laughs> We're really was. We're
3: uh, sorry. You, n- you guys know that the uh, Pope is resigning,
0: right? Yeah. Praise uh, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Look so, what God. do you guys want to run? I thought I thought about it, but then I was like, I don't believe in the Pope. Yeah.
2: But but maybe John MacArthur can run evangelical Pope.
0: Yeah. He's an independent. Can of those. Yeah. <laughs> so since the Democrats believe they can self-identify as anything, Biden is self-identifying the economy as not a problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I, I probably, even more likely than ever. Not the majority of them are saying that. Come on, don't make things up, okay? Now you sound like a Republican politician. I'm joking. That was a joke. That was a joke. But all kidding aside, no, I don't think it is. I was. Uh, my dear mother used to have an expression, if anything lousy, something good will happen if you look hard enough for it. Mm-hmm. We have a chance here to make fundamental no, a fundamental turn toward renewable energy, electric vehicles, and, and not just electric vehicles, but across the board.
0: Uh, fundamental you know, turn. So so, so if, you, if you didn't hear this, the reporter asks him, starts off asking the question, is, is our economy going into a recession? Right. And he says no. And then he later on says, sure, but my- we <laughs> have a fun, uh, an opportunity to fundamentally change our economy. Right. And I think, you know, if we need to be paying uh, attention to what, you know, what is it Ron Emanuel or, or Hillary Clinton, whoever was quoted, uh, 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 given the quote, who's uh, what do you call it? it? Um, is uh, Ron Emanuel, I think you said, um, uh, don't ever waste a crisis or might have been Hillary Clinton who. Who knows? It's one of the Democrats, Some of the but, they left folks do, but they get it. But they get it. Don't ever waste a crisis. Well, that's what Biden quotes his mother saying. Basically, we shouldn't waste a crisis. We should always find the good silver lining in all this. And the Biden economy, they want to revolutionize mm-hmm. the economy. They really do. And there's a report out. Uh, I thought this was. Um, this is. I was working. I worked for economic modeling. I worked for an economic firm for uh, twelve years. And so I was very involved in these kind of economic reports. Well, there's a report that came out, National Bureau of Economic Research just came out with a report kind of looking at all the programs that funded kind of the uh, the COVID crisis, the mm-hmm. shutdown. So there's four programs, the CARES, the CARES Act, the Family First Coronavirus Response Act, the RRA Act, and the ARPA Act, Okay. There were basically four major packages that funded the shutdown, mm-hmm. and this National Bureau of Economic Research did a report, and they they just looked at how did how did this money go towards keeping government jobs afloat? So government that, jobs, government jobs. This wasn't talking; they didn't talk about private civilian jobs that they shut down. They just wanted to highlight and look at just government jobs, and they found in this report that eight hundred $55,000. Basically it costs about $855,000 per government job to preserve that government job through the shutdown. <laughs> Wait, what? $855,000 to keep a government job during the shutdown. And 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 they marked it they defined it as one annual job. So yeah. someone couldn't lose their job in 3 months. They just kick them out of the bucket. It is a annual job that was maintained for Every with this money.
3: Government job kept so, annually. Almost a million dollars. Yeah, almost a million
0: dollars.
2: So do they produce two million dollars?
0: No, because the government (laughs) government jobs jobs don't produce money in the economy.
2: So how does that work exactly? (laughs) So if you have a job that doesn't produce more than what you're paying to have it, doesn't that mean the job probably shouldn't exist?
3: Um, Knox, don't ask. Difficult questions just, like yeah, this. Just, you that, know, that, that that that's for the ex- experts to take care of. You, oh, you, 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 you don't you don't worry about that. <laughs> okay, don't, don't ask questions. Twenty four
2: hundred dollars like per federal taxpayer. It's what it costs all of us individually.
0: Yeah. which added up to eight hundred fifty five thousand dollars per job. In, individual. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it cost it cost basically almost a million jobs. dollars to sustain yeah. one annual job during the downturn. I don't I don't I don't I, even know how the math <laughs> works out in that. Uh, well, and, right.
2: Well, how is it that they you know, they actually reported this and they told us that this is what it costs, as yeah, if we're supposed right. to say, Hey, good job. Way to go. Yeah. So a part of me when I read this, I was and I, there's a whole presentation that they laid out. So like what seventy pages? I'm yes. actually gonna there's go, go 70, through the seventy pages. Page report. But they wrote this stuff as if we are supposed like we're ignorant. Like, we shouldn't read this and be like, I'm sorry, who is the one making these decisions?
3: That's yeah. what I'm saying.
2: You know what I mean? Like th- and yeah. so, and part of the responsibility is on us because you can look at it and say, hold on a second. This is okay? Mm-hmm. I want to talk to some. Who's in charge? Yeah.
0: <laughs> how this, do we make that decision? But this is what it looks like when the government wants to revolutionize the economy. Now, Biden's going toward this green climate economy. He right. wants us to all have electric vehicles, and then he'll figure out how to tax that more. But this is what happens when the government gets involved in things they should not be involved in
2: Look, some sort of change in the economy to me is inescapable I don't want to consider a revolution, but I think there is some sort of reformation something that's happening in the Mm -hmm. economy Mm -hmm. Right, but and I think the the reformation side over the change of it is coming way more local So as everything just starts to fall apart and crash What Mm -hmm. you're going to start see is people become far more local in how they think about their food Look Mm -hmm. gas prices are going to keep you local (laughs) (laughs) Yep, <laughs> right, The mm-hmm. politics no, So then when you start building You start doing things local Your politics becomes even local So I think there is something drastically that's happened That the left sees as an opportunity to change the story If we let them change that yeah. story We're going to be in a place where they are in control Of what the future looks yeah, like
0: right. And but this I, is, But this is why we want to reclaim local economies We want to get away from this massive Federal government regulated economy And reclaim local economies The Supreme Court This next two weeks Pay attention to this Next two weeks, actually, I think the session could go into early July, um, but the Supreme Court has a number of hotbed cases that they still haven't decided on. I think up to like 18, 17 17 17, 17, 17, 17, 17 cases. cases. Yeah. But we, wanted to, we wanted to highlight for you um, some a very important case that are coming up. Obviously, everyone knows about the Dobbs-Jackson abortion case. Yeah. Okay that that ha- still hasn't come out yet. The leak came out back in February and but the final decision still hasn't come out yet. That's happening this week. Second uh case that's going to be happening this week is the gun rights. They're uh, they're they're Okay, second but, Amendment. Well before you go, go on. Yeah, the, yeah.
2: the 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 uh, Dobbs versus Jackson case mm-hmm. is they're kind of playing this kind of close to the chest, a little closer to the chest now of course, but they're still saying, "Hey, all just the leak opinion doesn't reflect all the justices' thoughts in final yet." So, it It'd be interesting to see, and they're expecting that even to by tomorrow. So we're expecting tomorrow something to come out with that. But it'd be interesting to see if this holds up. I'm I'm thinking with the threats on their life and the lack of protection for the Supreme Court justices and the people petitioning. I wonder if it's going to have any effect on how they That's rule right. at the end of the day. That's
3: why I mean one of the things we've been praying for is just that the judges have some back. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't um, mm. wouldn't get wouldn't you know break wouldn't wouldn't concede wouldn't a- allow these threats to their lives and their livelihoods. Yeah. To affect the final outcome outcome of the decision. I I think we should be praying for that. Yeah. And then you said the second one one,
0: was the Second Amendment's rights case. This one's interesting. This is New York uh, State Rifle and Pistol Association against Bruin versus Bruin. And this one's about um, uh, the state law. There's a 1911 New York law requiring applicants to demonstrate proper cause and a good moral character to obtain a concealed weapon. (laughs) So, during during the two hours of oral argument in November, the court's conservative majority was receptive to gun owners' claims that the state's public safety law, that 1911 law, impinged on their rights. And I I, I agree with them. Proper cause. I'm an American citizen. That's my proper cause. If New York is defining what a moral... Yeah, right. Right. Good and
2: moral character is their yeah. line quote. So yeah. like good and moral character. Yeah. Well, okay, are you talking I, about Cuomo? How about this? So Cuomo can't own a gun. I don't kill babies in the womb. Is that does that yeah. does that count for good? Because if that's the
3: case, you shouldn't
0: issue me anything. According to New York, that's immoral. <laughs>
2: exactly. That's exactly. Good.
3: Right. They don't even know
2: what moral is. For the so, but sake. but
0: they could use if they keep that def, if they maintain that definition in the 1911 law, then New York could say pro pro-lifers couldn't own a gun. Right. Because you guys right. are immoral. Right. People who voted for Trump. You, yeah. yeah. You're, you're against bodily autonomy.
2: Yeah. Yes, they take right. away your, your yeah. defense. Yeah. Of That's moral. You're immoral.
0: So the, the other, there's actually two uh, cases that have to do with basically church, uh, um, uh, Christian, some sort of faith-based uh, case. The first case is Carson versus uh, Matt Macon, Macon. Macon, yep. Um, and this case. Uh, is going to consider whether Maine can exclude religious schools from its program that pays private school tuition for students who live in rural areas, basically areas where public schools just can't reach or, Everything. Um, <laughs> uh,
2: you mean to tell me that private citizens can, citizens can come up with some form of education that goes beyond the government's reach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, sure.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> so the, the Christian schools are saying, hey, we can serve these people, right. these people in these rural areas. And um, But the state of Maine is saying, well, we aren't going to give public dollars to religious schools. Right. And so part of the argument is uh, that um, basically they can't use uh, taxpayer-funded money to go to dogmatic institutions. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. public like, like public. schools? Yeah. I know the the first thing I, I go I to is I like see, yeah. like public schools. Yeah.
3: But the, do you want
2: do you want government money though? No, that's
3: the thing to be careful about. That's the thing that we gotta be careful about. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I want to I educate think, those kids. I think we need to be shrewd and and there might be some plays to run in dismantling the monopoly of yeah. government education. But nevertheless, we Christians need to be very leery of taking money that's right. from the state. Now, turns out that money that the state's got, they stole it from us. Right. And mm-hmm. if there's a way to get it back and fund, uh, private and Christian schools we should do that but we got to be careful because that money is hooks no, that's but if you if it's
2: the play to be able to break the federal or the state government's monopoly on what religious funding looks like so that you can redefine everything mm-hmm. i'm with that yeah but you right? just got to be very very but careful but i wouldn't want to take the money no. i would want it to win the case no. I mean, and not take the money.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs> last, last case before we have to go here. It's, it's kind of in the same vein here. Uh, you remember the football coach that was praying in the middle yeah. of the field, yeah, high school football coach sorry. in the state of Washington? Yeah. Well, that case is actually going to be decided on the next couple of weeks. If, if he can privately, after a football game, kneel in the middle of the field all by himself and pray. That's that's, yeah. what, that's well, what. I think he That's some, what's at stake. Was literally, he's by
3: himself, he, he, got, had,
0: he got fired for this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or suspended or, until the yeah goes through the system. I hope
2: he I hope yeah. he takes them. But
0: that's literally what this case is over because he was he wasn't requiring any of his football yeah. players to go out there. He'd go out after a game in the middle of the field, right. put a knee down and pray, and some students would join him, but right. it, nothing, nothing was compelled. It was all voluntary. Yeah, yeah. and so
3: Everybody. he wasn't allowed to, to yeah. do that. I think George Washington was like rolling. It's pretty I, insane to walk through these. It's funny, you know. I mean, like the presidents used to call for public prayer (laughs) to the christian god away with them everybody needs to be praying (laughs) to god ask jesus for mercy on our land you know next tuesday yeah and nobody batted an eye
0: yeah
3: yeah they haven't forgotten about that history and our
0: mayor our governor they need and our president need to go back and do this yeah Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) i hope he wins more cross politic coming up next dale Dale Partridge. partridge yeah what is he talking about yeah christianity and masculinity masculinity
0: yes sir next
2: on cross politic
4: It's where you build your legacy, where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. We are Chris and Natalie Carpenter, owners of Story Real Estate, and our team of top agents helps people find homes in Moscow, Idaho, and around the country. Have you thought about a move? Contact us to get connected with a top agent who shares your values and puts your family first. Or reach out to us about our Moscow relocation guide. Wherever you're looking to go, we can help you find home. Call us at Story Real Estate or visit us at storyrealestate.com and start building your legacy. Welcome back to
3: Cross Politic on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. It's good to be back no really it's it's good seriously it's I'm good happy. to be back i'm apparently i don't know what happened while i was gone but not crazy stuff was scarred <laughs> yeah. gabe what did
0: you do <laughs> i tried i tried he, I tried. Would,
3: he was do being gabe
0: <laughs> do we need to have some counseling I, I will tell you toby went to knoxville area this this last week there um uh, for a family funeral or yeah. memorial yep. memorial yep. service yep. And then he came back and preached a pretty good sermon on Sunday. Really? I'm just, I'm just saying. So time this to go is, look it up? This is kind of the kind of pastors we have in our community. Where do you find Ray. it? Well, I, I think- uh, We don't have a King, podcast feed King's yet, do we? Kings Cross.
3: I mean, I think it's still going through the Christchurch Christ feed, but, okay. but, uh, but I think Kings Cross is trying to get- Get lost the Christchurch YouTube feed. Yeah. Hey, this segment's brought to you by Dime Payments. It's a Christian-owned processing payment business. Every business needs a payment process system. Go to dimepayments.com slash FLF. Sign your business up. Working with them- Seriously. Supports your friends at Politic. Yeah. And they won't cancel you like Stripe canceled President Trump. They won't cancel you like MailChimp canceled the Babylon Bee. Check them out. At least have a phone call. Tell them that Cross Politics sent you. Go to slash FLF. Message. We are grateful to have our friend Dale Partridge yes. on the line with us now. Dale is the president of relearn.org and Reformation Seminary. Dale oh. conducted his graduate studies at Western Seminary, Master Seminary, and Grace Bible Theological Seminary. He's the author of several Christian books, the host of the Real Christianity podcast, the teaching pastor at Reformation Fellowship in Sedona, Arizona. Dale, thanks for coming on Cross Politics, Brother man, man, I am excited to be here. So, you know, also, uh, Dale has like a bazillion followers on Instagram. Yes. I didn't, I didn't, yes. I, I, we, we, like Dale and I, we were like hanging out and all friends. And Instagram everything. follows and, him. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to follow my friend Dale. And I said, what in the world?
1: Yeah, He's he been working.
3: He's like, he's he been, been working. working. He been has working. been. And they yeah. just came out with this new book called the manliness of Christ confronting the issue of effeminacy in Christianity or effeminate Christianity. And Dale, um, what are you talking about?
0: Did did Beth Moore endorse
3: this book?
4: She did. Yeah. This is, yeah, she, she was the one behind this whole thing. No, man, guys, she she was like, like, I went, I went home and I realized.
1: uh,
4: (laughs) Yeah. This book was was actually a paper uh, that I wrote as kind of my final thesis work uh, for a Christology class for Professor Owen Strand at Grace Bible uh, Theological Seminary. And, uh, I finished the paper, you know, it was a 30 page paper, and I was encouraged to say, hey, you should you should publish this thing. And so I uh, I thought, all right, yeah, I'll publish it and just put it into a little book. And um I wrote an extra chapter or two, added some words to it, beefed it up a little bit. I mean, it's still a small book. I mean, if you're watching this on video, but I mean it's only yeah, it's only uh, you know, it could fit in the palm of your hand. It's about eighty pages. And um Put the book up on uh, on social media and man, we, we've sold thousands of copies of it. And I, I think it's just because we hit the reality is that we are obviously struggling. We have a man problem mm. uh, in the church and uh, and we have obviously a feminism problem in the church. And so we wanted to just confront that issue. Again, the title is "The Manliness of Christ." The subtitle is "How the Masculinity of Jesus Eradicates Effeminate Christianity."
3: Mm. So, Dale, can you? Get, I mean, yeah. give us some examples. What are you talking about when you talk about effeminate Christianity?
4: You know, we don't even realize how effeminate we are because it's like a fish doesn't know it's wet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church has been designed about being about being a feminist even the men programs are designed after women's programs i mean the reality is that you have um you know these words like um share your heart or uh let's do life together or oh I'm um, getting
3: sick stop it
4: yeah <laughs> i mean d- the, the all promise keepers music. language <laughs> yes the the type of music that we sing and you know, the sway your hips, your sway, your hips to Jesus kind of movement. And this whole idea of, we love this kind of, uh, you know, I, I talk about Dane Ortland's book, uh, gentle and lowly in this book, kind of contrasting it to this book. Now, Dane, uh, i'm not going to say anything about dane he wrote that book is actually i would say a, a theologically accurate depiction of jesus the problem is, is it's a one sided view of jesus and so we see the gentle and lowly jesus that's the the problem is that that's the only type of jesus that we've seen in the last several decades and especially yeah. in the last like 5 years hmm. and so the reality is we need the other side of jesus the masculine the raw the bold the rough side of jesus which is absolutely there the resolved fearless you know uh, intense Version of Christ, so I wanted. I went through the whole scriptures and I was going, "Hey, let's look at Christ from a a masculine perspective." Pulled that out and put this attribute list together. And, and you realize that Christ is the most masculine man who ever lived. And if you don't like masculinity, you will definitely hate Jesus because he was incredibly masculine. And so uh, we just, uh, I think I need to be reminded what it means to be a masculine man. I don't want my boys, my boys' names are honor and valor. And I don't want them to just look at me as an example of masculinity. I want them to be able to look at Christ. That's right. Uh, the problem is there's just not many examples that, that really break out, what the masculinity of Christ really is, and so that was the, the the attempt in this book is just to really pull all that out of the scriptures, put it together, so you can consume it in an hour and ten-minute read, and really re- be reminded that Jesus was a man and not just a you know uh, androgynous uh, That's you right. know, effeminate individual, you know, your, your
0: boy's name's honor and valor. I, I thought they would have been Walker and Texas Ranger, but, or, or John Wayne. <laughs> uh, can you give us like, like some examples or principles of, of what you're talking about, about Jesus's masculinity as he exhibited it, you know, in, in culture?
4: Yeah. So, uh, first thing is, you know, if I talk about the good news and you talk about the bad news first, the bad news is that you have, what we call the delicate deity in the book and and this idea that we have this again, Roman Catholic version of Jesus with, you know, he's wearing blush and his eyebrows are tweezed. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of version of, of Christ that we see again, the, the lowly, the low and, uh, the, the lowly lamb, the, the, the other side that I really wanted to contrast, which is in chapter three, it's the maleness of Christ. I talked about, you know, there's so many people throughout church history, liberal theologians that want to talk about that Jesus didn't even have a gender. Uh, that he was really just this, uh, again, androgynous uh, uh, individual that was really kind of, you know, had both genders within him kind of thing. And that's a theological uh, conversation that's actually happening at like higher criticism. Wow. And yeah. so, so that's, that's weird. Um, and then we <laughs> went to, <laughs> we went to uh, the, the masculinity of Christ, chapter 4. And I really, I broke it down into to really a couple categories. I wrote the boldness of Jesus, uh, the fearlessness of Jesus the sacrificial love of Jesus, uh, the resolve of Jesus. Now, the big thing that I want to talk about is the resolve of Jesus. I read John Stott's book, The Cross of Christ, which is just recommended reading for any Christian because it's just rugged. And you you just get a chance to look at Christ, especially his resolve. And so the reality is is that Jesus was uh, fully aware of the intensity that was coming for him at the cross, Uh, not not just like the physical reality, but the spiritual reality, the the, uh, forsaking of himself from the Father, I mean, the actual weight of the entire world's sin upon his, his shoulders, mm. uh, the, the obviously the physical reality of getting to shred. And so uh, the Bible says that Jesus was actually eager to get to Jerusalem, and he's up in front of the men as they're walking toward Jerusalem. Mm. Uh, and like you, you just get this view of Jesus like out in front. And, and you think about the reality of what he's going to, what he was going toward, just utter torture, utter spiritual. Uh, desolation and, and he's out in front. Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, beyond this, there's obviously the intense statements of Jesus that he calls people, uh, you know, with, with, uh, real intensity. He goes, uh, you know, brood of vipers, or he calls people liars to their face, or he whitewashed tombs, this language that we, we don't want to use today as Christians, because we think that it's too offensive or whatever it may be. But Jesus was absolutely leveraging that type of language in the right circumstances. And so how do you break that out? When is it applicable? When is it not applicable? When do yeah. you do the truth in love? When do you just do the truth? When do, and, and so finding a balance between all those things is really what I tried to pull out of the book. But yeah, it's absolutely, uh, I think it's enlightening because a lot of men realize, wow, um, I, can, I can follow this Jesus. Because what's happened in the church is that we have, when you build the church for women, you lose the men. Um, and when you build the church for men, you gain the women. Um, and, and so the women will follow the men, but the men will not follow the women. And so the reality is, is that when you, when you focus on a masculine Jesus, uh, you, you get a masculine church, focus on a feminine Jesus, you, you get an effeminate church. And, and the reason we're losing every battle in culture from, uh, you know, from the battle of life to sexuality and gender, uh, pornography, divorce, whatever it may be. Um, is because we are not willing to have a masculine perspective uh, on, on Christ. We're, we're not having an example to follow as men. We have this, again, this, this weird, distorted, perverted version of Jesus, this one-sided version of Jesus, and we don't have any way to actually look as men. Who should we be modeling? So what we do is we turn to pastors. We look to men uh, we, we start modeling our pastors. We start modeling those men that we respect. We, you know, we, we love Doug Wilson. We start modeling Doug Wilson. But the reality is we need to be modeling Christ. And so we need examples of Christ, not just godly men who are exemplifying Christ in their life. And so there's a big, deep chasm that's going on here that I think that this book just happened to touch uh, of really putting words to how people have felt And uh, trying to figure out a solution to get back to a masculine biblical Christianity.
2: Hey, Dell, do you think the way that we, since we're so effeminate right now, do you even think the way that we proclaim the gospel itself is effeminate?
4: Absolutely. I mean, we we talk about it as being something you need to accept. And it's this like gentle conversation instead of it being a command, uh, instead of it's being submit to Christ. Uh, submit to the lordship of Christ. Christ is already Lord. You don't need to accept Him. He's already Lord, whether you admit it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we definitely approach it because again, evangelism through you know the 90s, through the early 2000s, the 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 kind of uh, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, raise your hand for Jesus so you don't feel embarrassed. Uh, that that whole movement of seeker-sensitive Christianity again was just catering to the emotion instead of just the commanding reality that there is a king That's and right. you must submit to his rule and reign. And uh, that, that just is very rare today. Um, but that is exactly how we see Paul proclaiming Christ. That's exactly how we see the early church fathers proclaiming Christ. And it's not what we see today. So we definitely have a gap between what we're reading in our Bibles and then what our reality is in modern Christianity. And so trying to close that gap, is this, this book is a part of that. Mm. Dale,
2: can you, you got some time to stay around with us for about another 15, 20, 15, 20 minutes maybe?
3: Yes. Totally. Okay, I'm
2: just going to push the edge and we'll say, let's keep you around. Cause we're going to talk- You can be
3: direct with us, man. You
1: yeah, can yeah, tell <laughs> us. Just- <laughs> no.
2: Yes. No. no. Yeah. All right. Dale, give everybody your website.
0: Well, uh, and he just, just real quick. He, they're launching a new ministry. That's what we're going to talk about,
2: talk um, about um, backstage. Well,
0: everybody we're, know the website of that. Okay. You are just launched a new ministry on, on sharing the gospel. You want to give us that website and what's going on there? Yeah.
4: So, yeah, a couple things real quick. I mean, if you guys will let me talk for a couple more minutes. You got 30 seconds, like that, guys. 45 seconds. Okay, 45 seconds. All right. So we uh, we launched a new ministry called MailTheGospel.org. So many Christians want to show the gospel, but they don't. And so we made a way for anybody to show the gospel with anyone, anywhere. And they're beautifully designed tracks, theologically accurate, bold gospel tracks that you can mail to anybody. Mm-hmm. You can also include a Bible. Again, just check that out at MailTheGospel.org. And if you want to pick up The Manliness of Christ, That's relearn.org forward slash man. And the podcast. Real Christianity, man. I'm on 200 episodes in. And uh, man, we're we're loving that show, man. It's been such a blessing. I got, I don't know, 40,000 weekly listeners there. Oh, wow. That's awesome. All right.
2: So, Dale, you stay right there. And if you are a Fight, Laugh, Feast club member, you can come along with us too. If you're not, I don't know what to tell you. Sign up, become a club member so you can hang out with us at the backstage. So if you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids... Go baptize them until tomorrow. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic.
3: Armored Republic exists to honor Christ the King by providing tools of liberty to free men. New York State just banned body armor. Armored Republic is suing the state of New York in federal court to resist their arrogant war against your God-given rights. Mass shootings or tragic acts of evil that are best resisted by armed citizens and brave watchmen ready to fight back. The main violent threat to human life is not individual criminals, it is tyranny. This is Armored Republic.
1: When tyrants take over, what's the first thing they do? Disarm. It happened in Russia, China, Germany, and most recently, Afghanistan. Why? Because disarmed people are easier to control. And over the last century and a half, American tyrants have been carrying out a slow, methodical disarmament that no one is talking about. State education. Tyrants know that education is warfare. Our rulers have a vested interest in making you totally harmless. They've got big plans and they don't want you getting in the way. Think about it. Would you rather fight an army decked out with high-powered rifles or a bunch of dinky water pistols? They know that if you can think critically, you're a threat. At New St. Andrews College, we want to graduate men and women who are dangerous. Dangerous to the world, dangerous to the principalities and powers, dangerous to spiritual wickedness in high places. Education can either arm you or disarm you. It can make you a threat or make you a useful idiot. (laughs) So where you get that education counts. Click the link to apply to New St. Andrews College today.